You're listening to a sermon from Church of Christ at Treaty. For more resources, check out cctreaty.org. One of uh, the things that's always interesting about this time of year is just the amount of distractions that there are. Um, and a time when we're celebrating such a humble scene, there, we're pulled so many different directions. Even uh, I was thinking, man, it's like COVID and we're in a pandemic, but there's still a ton going on. Right? There's still a lot of voices and distractions pulling for our attention, whether it's family gatherings, shopping that we need to get done, uh, cookies that we need to make, uh, all of these traditions that we want to continue to do, which are not bad in and of themselves, but lots of voices, voices telling us to be afraid, voices telling us to not be afraid, voices telling us that we need to buy more gifts, voices telling us let's just sit back and enjoy each other, just constant noise in our world. And I was reminded of one of my favorite stories. It's in a movie. It's a book where Dorothy, uh, the Scarecrow, the Lion, and the Tin Man, the Wizard of Oz, many of you are familiar with that, are all getting ready to go and meet the wonderful Wizard of Oz, right? And they've been following this yellow brick road for a long time now in search of this incredible man who's the only one, supposedly, that can help Dorothy get back to Kansas. I have no idea why she wanted to go to Kansas, but I've been there. But I guess some people wonder why we would go back to Wabash, amen? Um, But now with the prospect of meeting this wonderful man in just a few minutes, they felt the need to become presentable, right? Their preparations had to be made both in their appearance uh, and in the way that they presented themselves if they were going to stand before the greatness of Oz. And so Dorothy and her friends had been traveling in search of this powerful presence And in our text, we read about a presence that humbly actually came to us. A presence, a power, a king who actually came and dwelt among us. And this Christmas season, as we listen to the voice, it's my prayer and hope for each of us that we would prepare not just our homes, but our hearts to meet Jesus again. So let's look at the text in Isaiah 40, where the prophet Isaiah speaks of this voice. He says in verse 3, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. In this text, the prophet hears a voice. He doesn't say exactly where the voice comes from. He doesn't say exactly who it's from, only that there is a voice. There are a lot of voices, right? Um, We joke about voices in our head, right? We joke, joke about, man, I'm hearing things. Lots of noise competing. And Isaiah reminds us that there is a voice. It's of an unnamed messenger at this point crying out, a voice telling us about the coming of a king, about the coming of a Lord. And if we are going to be ready for Jesus to come again, we have to listen to that voice. If you're going to be ready this Advent, this Christmas, every day moving forward for Jesus to come again, we have to listen to the voice. And so as we listen today to that voice, let's examine a few questions about 
The voice, where's the voice coming from? Why is the voice coming to us? What is the voice telling us to do? And I believe as we explore this text, we will understand what Jesus would want for us this season as we quiet our hearts and we listen to his voice. And so first I want to tackle the idea of where the voice is heard. Because if there is a voice, where do we have to go to hear it, right? Um, How do we get away? How can we know where we can hear it. And Isaiah says in verse 3, there's a voice of one calling. He's calling us. In the wilderness, it says, prepare the way of the Lord. So where do we hear the voice? Isaiah tells us we hear the voice in the wilderness. We hear the voice in the desert. The Israelites were familiar with the desert. They were familiar with the wilderness It bordered two sides of their nation. The word desert, though, in the Bible doesn't just mean a location. Sometimes it refers to the state of the land that the people lived in. So you could be in a place that wasn't maybe as desolate, but you could live in a location that felt like a wilderness. The Bible tells us that the Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. We read about King David who fled into the desert from King Saul to find safety. We read about Jesus who was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. The desert is a barren and terrifying place where people can't live very easily. It's a place that's dry where you can't find water. It's a place where people are thirsty. It's lonely. It's desolate. There are desert times in our lives that are dry and barren, but the voice calls out to us there. Have you ever been in the desert? And maybe you're like, well, I've never been like to Arizona, or I've never been in the middle of a dust storm. But when I describe the desert as a barren and terrifying place where there's no water and you feel alone in your heart, have you ever been there? Have you ever been terrified? Have you ever been thirsty and lonely and desolate and felt alone? There are times in our lives and seasons, I believe if we're honest with ourselves, where we have been in the desert. But listen, friends, that's where the voice calls. That's where the voice calls out to us. Maybe you feel alone. Maybe you're wandering around trying to find your way. Maybe you're uh, afraid or scared. Maybe life is really, really hard for you, and you wonder, where is God? Where is he at? Maybe you're in a place of desolation. Maybe sin has overcome your life, and you can't conquer it. It's destroying you. It's crushing your relationship with your kids. It's destroying your marriage. It's destroying your integrity. You're losing your job. Your sin has run rampant in your life, and you feel dead and alone and numb. You are in the desert. But friends, it's here that the prophet Isaiah tells us that the voice of God cries out, that Jesus, the voice of Christmas, cries out in the desert to you and to me. When it's dry, when you're tired, when your life is not going the way you thought it would go, when it seems like there is no life inside of you and you're dead and you're numb and you feel distanced, not socially distanced, but just generally distanced from any feeling of emotion or relationship with God, when you feel lost and uh, confused and you've secluded yourself and isolated yourself, listen, Jesus' voice is calling out and crying out to you in the wilderness. It's a voice at Christmas that reminds us of God's gift, of his unfailing love, of his mercy and his grace, and he wants you to have life in him again. And so if you're feeling like you're in the desert, you can be encouraged today to know that where the voice is the loudest is in the wilderness. We hear it in the quiet 
in the lonely parts of our lives and in our hearts. The one calling in the wilderness prepared the way of the Lord. So why does this voice cry out to us? Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, the end of that verse tells us why the voice cries out in the wilderness, in our loneliness, in our desperation. It says the voice cries out and says, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. I remember my grandma, the phrase that she would always use when we were acting out a line was straighten up, right? Maybe you've heard people say that, like, hey, you need to straighten up. But the prophet Isaiah reminds us that left to ourselves, when we live a life where we avoid the voice and we listen to all the other voices, our lives are naturally crooked and bent, right? Left to ourselves, left to my own vices and my own power and my own strength, I'm going to make decisions that are selfish and wrong and arrogant and proud, and I'm going to live a life that's curvy and un, it's, it's full of ebbs and flows, and, and maybe I'm doing good today and bad tomorrow, right? But the voice cries out and says, let's make straight a highway for God. How many of you want to live a life that is a highway for God? where cars and peace and grace and mercy are just flying past you. The, the, uh, the voice is reminding us that this voice cries out to us and says, you have some preparations that you need to make. Straighten up. Jesus is coming. Amen? Straighten up. Make straight a path, a highway, not a little narrow road, not just a little creek where he can get to you. Make a highway for God where his glory can be revealed. How many of you want to live a life that displays and shows the lost world the hope and the grace and the love and the mercy of our King Jesus? That's where I want to be. And so he says, make some preparations, straighten up. The Jewish exiles would understand that, that the, the return from captivity in Babylon, where God was leading them, they would make a way through the desert and return to Jerusalem. God himself would also return to Jerusalem. He would take up residence with his people, and they would see him, and they would live among him. He's coming to meet them, and his name is Jesus Christ the Messiah. And he came and he made a way for his people, and they prepared a way for him. They had to get rid of every single obstacle in their heart and every obstacle in their life that stood in the way between them and their king. And today, friends, we have to make straight a path for the Lord. We have to repent. It's not a pretty word, but listen, this Advent season, the voice is crying out in our desperation, in our fear, and it's saying, make straight the path, the highway for God. It's a voice calling us to repent. Matthew 3, the gospel writer, says this in verse 2, and he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. It has? Yeah. Why? Because the kingdom is a person. It's Jesus. Jesus came and ushered a new covenant, a new kingdom, a better way to live, a highway to God, if you will. And the Bible says to make straight, to straighten up, and to repent because Jesus is coming again. Like we celebrate the coming of Jesus as a baby, but he's coming again on a white horse as a king, and he's coming to pick us up. It's the ultimate Uber, <laughs> right? And there's no bill at the end. The bill was paid for on the cross of Jesus. Your sin and mine, the desolation, the desert that we've lived in and buried ourselves in has been paid for at the blood of Jesus' expense. 
And in a few moments, we're going to celebrate the body and blood of Jesus. We can't just celebrate the birth. We have to celebrate the resurrection. Because it's not just a baby that was cued. It was a king who died. And he's telling us that voice to repent because the kingdom has come and it is coming again. And so this Christmas, we turn from our sin. Now, that'd be a weird Christmas tradition, right? Like, listen, kids, before we open up presents... I need you all to confess your sins from 2020, right? We're not going to take the gifts away, right? But, but there would be a lot of trepidation and fear, right? Because who wants to sit there? But maybe this Christmas, we do have some things that we need to turn from and straighten up and make straight in our lives. The Bible tells us we need to turn from our sinful habits, turn from our sinful practices, and leave them behind. That's what repentance means, that we're, we're going this way, this is how we're living, and we literally 180 and live differently. And so maybe we've been living in fear. I mean, this would be a year that we could easily be overcome by an unhealthy amount of fear. There's a difference between responsibility and respect and fear. And maybe we need to repent of living completely in fear and not living in the hope and trust of our king. Maybe we need to repent of our addictions. We need to repent of our relationships that we've held on to or the way that we've treated other people, or we need to repent. I don't know, but maybe we need to spend some time this Christmas making straight in the desert a highway for our God. And so we make preparations for Jesus by removing obstacles that keep us from inviting him into our house. I've learned this a whole lot, and my eyes have been opened. When you deal with uh, with elderly people or people with special needs, you start to see the world differently, right? Because you start to see obstacles in their way from being able to do the same things that you're doing. And what Jesus is saying is there are things in the way between you and me, and you have to remove those things if you're going to come to me. If we're not able to go up steps, we build a ramp. We understand that in this world. We always are making preparations. If we have a guest that we want to welcome, we do whatever we can to make sure that they can get here, right? And we need to do whatever we can to make sure that Jesus can get in to us. That he can be the welcome king of our heart. That there's nothing keeping us from inviting him into our lives. When someone comes to our home, we clean, we prepare, we dust, we mop, we light candles, we vacuum. Right, Zach? We vacuum and we do the laundry. Right? And we, put, we take the trash out. We do all of those things to welcome someone into our house. We make sure the, the pictures are straight. We tidy up the shelves. We set the table. We get out the china. We, make, we do the best that we can to welcome someone. And the best thing that we can do this Christmas is remove every obstacle that would prevent Jesus from being King and Lord of our lives. Amen? That Jesus could come and take residence in our hearts and our lives, born as a baby, in humble circumstances. He sits exalted at the right hand of God right now, and he's just waiting for us to invite him. He's just waiting for us to remove the obstacles that are preventing him from truly being the Lord of our lives. And so what are the obstacles that you need to remove, the sinful habits that you need to change? Because until we do that, until we truly repent, we're not ready for Jesus to come again. We haven't prepared our hearts the voice cries out in the desert asking us to make straight a path for him. What's the promise of the voice? So if we hear it, if we know where it comes and we know what it's asking us to do, what's the promise? Verse five, and the glory of the Lord will be 
revealed. And all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. I love that phrase, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Why is it in there? Because he wants you to know that it's going to happen. Whether you like it or not, because Jesus said, because God said, because the word said, we can take it to the bank because God is the promise keeper. He makes the promise and he keeps it every single time. And Isaiah reminds us of that, that we will see God's glory revealed. God's promise is that the sign of his presence and his power will be visible and experienced again. The day is coming when God will be Emmanuel and he will walk among us and walk among his people again. This is an event that everyone will see. Nothing will be hidden, the Bible tells us. The word of God has preserved the record of these events and the voice is crying out, listen church, Jesus has come, but he's coming again. And this Christmas season is not just the reminder of his birth, of the Christ child in Bethlehem. We see the glory of God as a baby, but we know of his presence among us right now through Jesus Christ. But the people long ago were told to prepare. And you and I are told to prepare. To prepare our hearts with repentance. Why? Because he's coming again. Christ is coming again. Christmas, where we celebrate the birth of Jesus, Christmas, the return of Jesus, it's coming for real. A time to welcome Jesus as the King of kings, as the Lord of lords. A time to welcome him by having made preparations, by repenting of our sin. But unfortunately, many of us in the world will spend more time preparing our homes than we will our hearts. Oh, right? Most of us I probably as well, all of us, a lot of us, will spend more time preparing our home than we will our hearts. Church, we got to repent. We got to repent. Because it's fun to put Christmas lights on our house and spend three hours, but it's harder sometimes, unfortunately and embarrassingly, to spend three hours on my knees in prayer. We need to prepare our hearts, not just our homes. And we do need to prepare our homes because we have children uh, and we have family members who need to be ready. But we need to make hearts ready for Jesus. Our houses and trees and presents, they're great things, but if that's the focus, if that's the most important thing and we neglect our moral obligation to repent and we neglect uh, the sin in our lives, of identifying it and praying through it and removing it, um, and we don't die to ourselves this Christmas, then Christmas means nothing. We're not just preparing to welcome Jesus at Christmas. This is a time where we're waiting. That's why we call it Advent, because we're waiting for Jesus to come again. This time in judgment, this time he's coming as the risen and victorious Lord, and he's going to take us to be with him forever. That's good news. We're going home. He's coming again as the king. But we don't repent and clean our hearts so we can celebrate Christmas. We repent and we make preparations so that we're ready when he comes again. We're not doing this to remember just what happened thousands of years ago. We're doing this to be ready for when he comes again. So that we know him and he knows us. When we prepare for Christmas, Jesus prepares us. That our preparation is actually his work in our lives. 
that we hear his voice and we repent of the things in our lives that are causing us to be separate from him, that are causing us to prevent a relationship with him, and we repent of those things for the promise of his glory. And so listen this Christmas to the voice. We hear it in the desert. It cries out because we have to make preparations. We have to change. It promises, though, that we'll see his glory. We'll see him face to face and that he'll call us home. Is your heart, is your heart ready for Jesus to come again? Is your heart ready for Jesus to come again? Not just for him as a baby that we can hold and cuddle with and be impressed by at Christmas. Is your heart ready for Jesus to come as the risen Lord in final judgment for his church? You can be if you'll listen to his voice, if you'll accept him, if you'll believe in him, if you'll repent of your sin, if you'll confess him as Lord, if you'll be baptized in the water as he was for the forgiveness of sins, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, you can be ready for Jesus to come again. And so that's my question, church, this Christmas, is are you ready for the return of Jesus? Is your heart ready? Not just your home, but is your heart truly ready for Jesus to come for his church? And so this Christmas, don't just prepare for Christ. Let Christ prepare you for him.